Welcome to Chihuahua Bat 2.0. I am Swan. I am the Chihuahua Bat. I'm so excited to be back with everyone. I think it's been almost nine months since I've done a podcast, and I'll get to that when I um, talk about house cleaning. But anyway, you will also hear me refer to another crazy Chihuahua Bat by the name of Mala. And Mala and I are retired educators. And when we retired, we both decide, decided to pursue our passions. And Mala, she is an incredible, incredible artist. She paints with a palette knife, and she's quite good. And she actually exhibits in galleries, yeah, in and around um, Texas. And Mala is not with me today because it is summer. And in the summers, if you've listened to any of my podcasts before, you know she spends time at her cabin up in Wisconsin, and she visits with family and friends during the summer, and she escapes the Texas heat. Yeah, we, we don't like her because we're, we're melting, especially this summer. So anyway, she's not in studio with me today, but she'll be back with me uh, in the fall. And then my passion, once I retired, is I wanted to go into advocacy. I wanted to be the voice for those teachers still standing in the classroom. Uh, I wanted to be able to say things and discuss things, you know, issues, problems, concerns, call it what you want, but with all the things that teachers are having to deal with, I wanted to be that voice. And often when you work for a district or any company, there's ethics involved and there's just certain things you should not say while you're under contract. But but I can be that person because I'm not under contract anymore and, you know, uh, I spent 30 years in the public classroom. Mal and I both did before we retired. So we have a few things to say, and, and we walked in those shoes, and um, we feel like we can express those issues because we, you know, we dealt with them ourselves. Um, one of the ways that I pursue advocacy, obviously, is through my podcast, but I'm also a writer. And so, you know, I have a webpage where I blog about issues, but I also uh, am a published author, author. I wrote a book in 2019 called Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat. And Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat highlights a five-year period in my educational career where anyone had ever, ever told me I would find myself in this particular teaching situation, I, and I say this over and over again, but I mean it, I would have said, you're nuts. I would not have believed it. I would have thought I was being pranked or played a joke on. I mean, it never dawned on me that an educator would be asked to teach in an utterly unbelievable physical space. Um, I want you to think of like a warehouse with cinder block walls, and that's it. That's all I had. Uh, and to make matters worse, I had to share this space with another teacher, theater arts, if you will. So think of theater arts and foreign language in the same space. No walls, no equipment, nothing, but just us and uh, some student desks. And to make matters worse, my half of the warehouse, and this literally was a warehouse, it has since been torn down and made into a wonderful uh, audiovisual room, <laughs> but when I occupied it, it was just an old warehouse. Um, in fact, industrial arts 
now that's all under the CAPE program that was so long ago, but all that old equipment was in there like drafting and, and things that people used to study back in the covered wagon days. But my part of my warehouse backed up to a clinic that did not have a ceiling. So, yeah, think of HIPAA. That was not in existence back then. Um, so I found myself extremely challenged to have to teach in this space. And so I, you know, could have whined and complained and, you know, just said I quit. Or I could have chosen to step up and be part of the solution. And, and that's what I did. And with the help of Mala and some crazy people I call my breakfast club, um, we decided that through humor and through uh, collaboration and cross-curricular collaboration and just crazy colleague collaboration, um, we found a way to get me through <laughs> this challenging time. And so I say this to you from the bottom of my heart, uh, and I can't emphasize this enough, that when you find yourself standing in chaos and unbelievable situations, and education will do this to you, and, and as you know, we've come off of two horrible years in education, and each year I'll say, okay, this year's going to be better, but I'm afraid to say that because God knows what's going to be presented in 2023. But whether you have great administrators or complacent administrators, success is always going to be up to you. I'm going to say it again. Success is always going to be up to you. So, Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat, read it. And once you do, you're going to look at yourself and say, Oh, man, I can get through my situation because if those Chihuahua Bats got through that particular chaotic situation, then then I can also do the same. So, Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat, you can find it on Amazon, or you can also find it on my webpage at chihuahuabat.com. So, today I want to do a little bit of house cleaning. As I said, it's been almost nine months since I've done a podcast, and quite honestly, I've, I've come into my studio three or four times and, and started but I just wasn't emotionally ready to do so. And the reason is, um, in December of 2021, my husband was setting up for one of his art shows. He's a photographer. And, you know, the day or two before, he'd been off his game a little bit, like, you know, dizzy. Like, he'd get up out of his chair and he'd go, oh, I got up too fast, I'm dizzy. So his balance seemed off. But, you know, other than that, you know, he seemed okay. So here we are setting up at this art show and we're putting up like panels to display his photos and, and he's standing there with this death grip and I said what is it and he said I can't do this and I said okay now keep in mind the day before I said let's run to the doctor let's just go get you know let's go get your blood pressure something's up with you no no I'm fine he says if I have to sit my, and he used an ugly word, ass in a chair all day to sell my pictures, that's what I'm going to do. That, that was my directive. Like, all right, here we go. Suffice it to say he's extremely stubborn. So there he was, the death grip on these panels, and he said, I can't do it. And I said, now we're going to the doctor. So at that point, I'm thinking stroke, because he seemed to be struggling a little bit on the left side. So thank God my daughter was with me. We threw him in the car. We ran to the ER, 
we got him in uh, and they were testing him for stroke and but he wasn't really presenting with stroke symptoms like sort of was but not really of course why would anything be easy with this guy so yeah and this is like you know 9 a.m keep in mind we've been up at five yes because we had to load everything we couldn't get to the coliseum where we were setting up until eight and so it's now it's nine o'clock thank god the er wasn't but about 15 minutes from where we were and um so they're running him through tests and i'm calling you know the art fest people going okay our booth is empty here's why i think my husband's having a stroke anyway long story short they run some tests and they do a ct scan and the doctor comes in and he says well we see a spot on his brain a lesion we can't tell you what that spot is um, but we'd like to do uh, an MRI with contrast so we can get a more detailed picture okay so you know when they put in these orders you know it doesn't happen instantly and of course COVID's still going on so you know we started the process at nine o'clock at four they took him in for an MRI with contrast and the doctor came back and read it and he said you know it, it's it's a better picture but I can't tell you if this is a tumor or an abscess so we're going to transfer you to a neuro center in the city because our hospital we're brand new we're just our neuro center is not set up for the kind of care he's going to need but he said regardless of whether this is an abscess or a tumor he's going to have to have brain surgery oh my god I'm still going you know just seven or eight hours ago we were setting up for an art show and now my husband's going in for brain surgery so he's He's transferred by ambulance over to a neuro center, uh, and this is through the Baptist Health System. And I knew nothing about this or these doctors, but I have—I can't say enough great things about them anyway. Uh, so we're getting set up. It's eight o'clock. We're at our new hospital. He's going in for brain surgery. This is a Sunday, Monday, like about noon is what they're saying, and they come at 10 o'clock at night to get one more MRI because that neuro center wanted their own picture because apparently their equipment's better than the hospital we started at so off we go they take him at 10 o'clock they bring him back at 11 another MRI so he's already had like three scans he should be glowing green by now and they bring him back and they're getting him settled and you know he's he's starting he's talking crazy He's just talking crazy, you know, like, why won't people feed me? Why aren't they giving me their medicine? And I'm, I'm just saying, Mike, remember we ate at noon. They let you have a hamburger, but you're NPO because you're having surgery. Yeah, remember, we got the meds. No, they're not giving me my medicine. It's going to make no sense. Anyway, so I get his nurse and I go, I think we need something for anxiety. I think he's, you know, he's, he's disoriented. You know, he's got this thing on his brain. She goes, okay course it's not in the computer so we're waiting on the doctor to give him something for anxiety and um in the meantime he's asking me weird questions like do you see my left hand moving nope touch it okay do you feel me moving no nope. well what about my left leg mike you're fine what is it i said i just want you to breathe and calm down i'm going to rub your back they're going to bring you something for anxiety to help you sleep you got to get sleep because we're going to have some surgery tomorrow okay so he's restless restless and then all of a sudden, you know, he's like, he goes, I, I can't do this. I have to get up. I have to go. I can't sleep here. And I was like, okay, you can't leave the hospital. So I poke my head out to call to his nurse and go, okay, we got to have something. I can't control him. He's restless. I walk back into the room. He is now 
shaking all over. He's seizing. Oh, my God. So I screamed to the nurse. I said, he's having a seizure help stat. So they come in. Long story short, uh, they, they try to give him, they're giving him seizure meds and anxiety meds. And she goes, if this doesn't stop in the next two minutes, I have to take him to ICU. I just want to warn you. Okay. So uh, his seizures get worse. So she goes, all right, we're going. She throws her bags at me. She goes, we're going to go to second floor. We're going to go right. You go left. Take everything with you. Somebody will come see you in the waiting room. So right now it's 12.30, 5 a.m. Remember our day started at 5 a.m. So I am now sitting all alone in a dark ICU waiting room. Uh, because of COVID, there are very few chairs because they don't want groups of people. Um, and, uh, you know, it's cliche, but there it was. I was just sitting in the dark going, what the hell just happened? Um, I felt like I'd just sort of been blindsided, hit by a train. I'm sitting there. I'm sobbing because I have no idea what's going on. Um, the last thing she said is, we're going to postpone surgery because if he's seizing, we have to shut the brain down. So... I start calling. I call my sister, who's been a nurse, you know, for 30 plus years. I call my son. I call my daughter. And I just said, okay, we're in ICU now. Your father had a seizure. I, I don't know what's going on. In the meantime, someone came out and got me and said that, uh, come in and say goodbye to him. We're going to have to put him in a medical coma. We have to shut his brain down. The seizures are damaging. He's already got the spot. You don't know what it is. So we're going to shut him down. We're going to put him in a coma. And so they said it's going to be three or four hours before we come back and get you. So, you know, he's got oxygen on. He's still shaking. And I'm, yeah, I just say, honey, I love you. I'm right next door. They're going to get you settled. Please cooperate and do what they say. Okay. And I'll be back in as soon as, as, soon as they get you all hooked up, you know, to your machines. And he was like, okay. And I walked out and I didn't hear another word until 4 a.m. And at 4 a.m. and, you know, I'm trying to, you know, call people and they go, they have your number. They'll contact you as soon as they can, which tells me they're having trouble. So keep in mind. Yeah. So here he is going into a medical coma and, and, and I have absolutely no idea how this is going to turn out. I have no idea if brain surgery is on. Is it off? I have no idea if they've, you know, if they've shut down his seizures. They had to shut down his brain. So at 4.30 a.m., the nurse called me and met me at the ICU door, and, and I walked in. I'm telling you, I have never in my life seen anyone hooked up to so many machines and so many IVs in my life. And my sister had warned me. She goes, now when you go in there, you know, he's going to have a feeding tube. He's going to have a catheter. He's going to have a tube down his throat to breathe. He's going to have monitors. He's going to have, you know, X, Y, and Z. So he don't, you know, don't be afraid. <laughs> you know, he's not going to look real good. And, and she was right. And I just walked in and just, you know, tears in my eyes going, what, what the heck here? And so the nurse was very nice, kind of explained to me what they did. Um that he was going to be in this coma for 48 hours and they would run EEGs to make sure, just because, you know, he's knocked out, uh, they had to make sure the brain wasn't still seizing. And unfortunately it wasn't. And yes, that was on a Sunday. And then Tuesday afternoon late, they did take him in to brain surgery. And thank the Lord, and I'm sincere when I say this, 
his lesion ended up being an abscess, which meant that they would just go in and still brain surgery, mind you, but they would just go in and clean it out and um, start him on antibiotics. And um, his recovery was going to be almost, you know, 90% versus had it had it been a tumor. And they prepared me for both. The neurosurgeon was just awesome. And he said, we're going to go in there because you only want to go in your brain once. You only want to disturb it once. And we're going to, you know, clean up the abscess. And he said, but I'm going to also treat it like it's a tumor as well. I'm going to run pathology, you know. And he said, you know, if it is a tumor, we're going to take tiny pieces. Because of where it is, I'm having your brain sensors is monitored. If, if I get too close to any of his motor functions, then we have to shut down and we'll get the rest with chemo radiation. Okay, but thank God we didn't go the tumor route. It was an abscess. And, you know, with antibiotics, you know, and therapy, um, he will be back to full recovery. So, so here I am, you know, nine months later, this was on December 5th. We spent a month in the hospital. Uh, I brought him home on um, New Year's Eve. And then we had eight weeks of intense therapy. They actually came to the home. We started therapy in the hospital. They came to the home and they were working on, uh, you know, balance and coordination um, and, you know, he initially was barely walking with the walker, and then we progressed to walking without the walker. And he does have a cane, because um, he still has, like, numbness in the left leg from the knee down and tingling. That's never fully, you know, recovered, but, I mean, oh, he's 100% better than when um, I went and saw him at 4 a.m. Sunday morning, and he was just in a medical coma. So... I say this to you because, um, again, if anyone had ever told me that, you know, my husband would go through this and I would be, you know, staring at, at my husband, not, not is he going to live, is he not going to live, is he going to recover, you know, brain surgery, if anyone had ever told me, I would have said, oh, no, that doesn't happen. Well, it did, and again... Here I was, standing in chaos, and, you know, I had a choice. I could just fall apart, or I could step up and be part of the solution. And thank goodness, you know, I have a sister who's been in the medical profession, you know, over 30 years, and, and I have a brother. I don't know if you my brother who had his big back injury with his bike injury. and was almost paralyzed. We just went through that. Yeah, that was a year ago. So I had them plus, you know, my daughter and, and my son. And uh, Mala was right there by my side, um, and we decided, you know, we became a little community, and we, you know, we stayed on our doctors, and we stayed on the therapy, and we did research, and, you know, my daughter's friend was is a therapist, and she would call and go, make sure he's getting this kind of OT. So those, those poor, <laughs> the poor medical people at one point, they said, you have to be in the medical profession, and I said, no. But I might know some people in the medical profession and they grinned because we have this rule. We don't tell people that my sister's been a nurse. Yeah, we, we just don't say that. But we just go in and, you know, talk like we're nurses. And, and I, I take notes. Anybody that comes in, I get their name, what they're doing. I just take copious notes. And they're on my phone. And I just write it down. I go with my brother. And I did it with Mike so that um, if I have questions, I can compare you know, the information I'm getting from everyone in my community. So, yeah, 
I can't say enough great things about the medical team that we had. It was working with 11 different, you know, physicians. And again, I had to write that all down. Yes. But um, it, it showed me that um, we have incredible strength. And often you don't know how strong you are until, you know, tragedy or chaos um, you know, comes becomes a part of your life. And so I, I start with this little house cleaning story to tell you that a new school year is coming. Uh, after the past two years of COVID slash pande pandemic teaching, you know, remote, in class, and then, you know, when schools went back last year, there was still a bit of a revolving door because, you know, COVID has not gone away and that virus keeps mutating and so I think it's just going to be like the flu. We're just going to have to go in and, you know, maybe get a shot every so often, but you're just going to see it. So you're going to have revolving doors. So that's, I don't know that that's ever going to go away for, for another few years. And then there's the issue of the kids that fell behind because perhaps they didn't have a supportive home environment to help them with assignments. And, and even if you had a supporting environment, you know, Parents can't do what the kids are asked to do often. Uh, you might be a great reader, but then you might look at that math and go, I don't know what the heck that is. So, yeah, there, there was that. And then a lot of people didn't realize about uh, the emotional growth. They were behind emotionally and developmentally because they were isolated and at home. So you've been, you've been dealing with all that. And, you know, Star Test was back on board. Um, the state said, nope, we got to pick it up. We got to start over. We got one reprieve, but then, you know, this past year, they, you know, they mandated again. And that was incredible stress on teachers because not everybody was up to speed academically. And so here are teachers, no matter what you taught, you had a group of kiddos that had to be um, enriched and had to be brought up to speed. They had to work on their deficiencies just to get them so they could, you know, meet expectations on the STAR test. And that was just one aspect of what they were dealing with. It was just the regular, you know, students uh, now with total inclusion. You're dealing with anger issues. You've got autism. Yeah, you know, you just got things like, you know, dyslexia that hardly gets mentioned anymore because we have a lot of anxiety in the classroom, uh, a lot of behavioral issues, um, kids that can't control their emotions, parents that can't control their emotions, <laughs> ultimately teachers who want to, you know, can't control their emotions because they're so overwhelmed. So, yeah. So I, I tell the story because we don't know what this year will bring, but I'm here to tell you whether it's a tragedy like a health tragedy that I just went through or it's the chaotic experience I had when I was part of my teaching career, you can do it. Find the strength. Find a community of people. Do not isolate yourself and come together and form a plan to get you through. Remember, success is always, always, always going to be up to you. And I hope this year starts with some enthusiasm. I know some of you have maybe a week or so left, and then you're back into in-service. Um, 
I hope you have great administrators. I hope you don't, you know, fall upon complacency because, you know, after 30 years, there was a couple of years where I became complacent. You know, it's, it's hard not to. Um, yes. So I want you to approach this year as I don't know what's going to happen, but regardless of what happens, be a chihuahua bat, step up to the plate, remind your administrators of what you're going through, okay? They're removed from the classrooms. Go in and say, look, I'm struggling. Look, I'm a, I need help with this. Look, or I'm doing great. Look what's happened here. Remind them of where you are in your teaching career. Remind them of where you are in your academic day. They're there to help you. They're there to support you. And great leaders, great you know, administrators, just do it instinctively. But often they get bogged down with their directives from the superintendent and the directors of the uh, admin office. So, you know, they, they can forget. So, don't forget. Go in, advocate for yourselves, find a community of teachers where you can go in, you can close the door and go, okay, I just have to get this off my chest. And get it off your chest, okay? Don't carry it with you all year long because it won't get better if you do. Um, go to your administrator. Tell them where you are, okay? And just know that regardless of what they throw at you, and they will step up, be a chihuahua bat, Okay, and remember, success is always up to you. So, glad to be back, guys. Um, my husband's doing 100% better. My brother is 100% better. Uh, and I am so excited that I'm now in a position where I can breathe a little bit and go, oh, okay, but you never know. Okay, <laughs> great talking with you. And always remember, dare to be a chihuahua bat.